I had over the years written a short film script that it was in total secret. Like no one knew about it except for like my best friend who I'd shared this with and gotten my first script notes. But then when I was part of this film incubator, I got to trust a few people and I shared my script with them. And they said, Serena, this is good. We should make this. And I thought, okay, how hard could that be? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Miss Educated the show about unlearning the misguided rules from society that govern our lives. With me, your host, Tash Doherty. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Miseducated. With me, your host, Tash Doherty. This week, my guest is Serena Schiller. She is an award-winning writer, director, and series creator, And most recently, she's been piloting the first episode of her new series, which is called Makeshift Society. And it's an original TV comedy series about a female founder. I liken Makeshift Society to the female version of the HBO show Silicon Valley. So I'm very excited to share our conversation that I had with Serena with you today. What I also love about Serena's story is that she worked on screenplays and wrote scripts for literally years before she decided to become a filmmaker. So here I ask her all about her journey and her experiences of working in tech and how that influenced her storytelling and how she got into getting the cast, the crew and the fundraising together for her increasingly ambitious film projects. We also talk pretty openly about the douchebag culture of the startup bros. And I will also be sharing part of my experience of getting fired from my tech job. So please enjoy. Okay, well, let's get started then. So hello, everyone, and welcome back to Miss Educated. And today I have a very special guest, Serena Schiller. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. So Serena is a really distinguished, award-winning filmmaker. She's also created this show called The Makeshift Society, which is the first ever TV comedy series about a female founder. So we have a lot to discuss on terms of like tech and filmmaking, creation, series, producing, everything on that sense. Um, So yes, Serena, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Cool. So you have been a filmmaker for a while. You've done a lot of different series. Um, Cakewalk, like a lo- I would love, would love to get into a little bit of your, like how you got started and interested in filmmaking in the first place. Um, absolutely. I always had a talent and passion for writing, but for many years I ignored the call and I, I thought, okay, I have to get a grown-up job in a real field. And I went into the tech world and you know, this is part of my journey and in, in to becoming who I am. So I'm grateful for it. When I was working in tech, I worked at IBM, Yahoo, startups. This is back in New York. And I would meet these bright, ambitious women who were often overlooked and undervalued in the workplace. And then in work, social situations were treated questionably. And I thought that there had to be a different way. Uh, And of course, myself, I felt similar. I knew I had this dream and I finally decided to pursue it. Uh, Years ago, I moved to San Francisco and I actually joined a film incubator. It was started by the CEO of Crunchbase and he loved films and basically this became my film school. I volunteered on people's productions as a PA, which is a production assistant. I was a script supervisor, taking notes. And basically it was like a fly on the wall, just trying to learn everything I possibly could. 
uh, I had over the years written a short film script but it was in total secret like no one knew about it except for like my best friend who I shared this with and gotten my first script notes but then when I was part of this film incubator I got to trust a few people and I shared my script with them and they said Serena this is good we should make this and I thought okay how hard could that be so I'd only <laughs> been on film set and and thought okay this is pretty straightforward like I could do this and I had no idea, like, the amount of preparation, production, and fundraising that goes into this building audience. Um, but it was the whirlwind time of my life. I did a Kickstarter for the first time. Uh, I recruited the cast and crew to be part of it. We actually flew back to New York to film. And I filmed in the New York City subway at 3 in the morning. And I recruited my friends to be extras. And I paid them in bagels. Like... <laughs> It was very, what I call, guerrilla-style filmmaking. But from this very rough-and-tumble origin came this beautiful story, this beautiful film, and I was really proud of it. This, this story changed my career, and it changed my life. It's called The Ten Plagues, and it's the story of this young woman going to her family's Passover Seder, but on the way, she encounters the ten plagues, like blood, frogs, oh hail, locusts. But the worst plague of all is that she has to see her family. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a comedy, it's a story about going home for the holidays and not having the right answers for who you're dating and where your career is going, where your life is going. And I thought, okay, this could be a story that young women could relate to. And as I shared this film and it screened at festivals around the world, uh, women would come up to me after and say how much this story meant to them. This is me, this is me going home for Christmas, like Easter, like any any other yeah. holiday and I and I was like oh okay I think I'm onto something here with telling women's stories and so I decided to pursue this path as a career and what I do is I tell stories about women who forego the traditional route and take their own path. Amazing we're all about that here. <laughs> actually what was the difference between writing a script and actually seeing your work in live yeah. form? That must be insane. Oh, yeah. The first time we did a table read of the Ten Plagues, I was so happy because people were finally reading the words that I had written, like, quietly at my desk. It was so exciting, very thrilling. So I'm a writer, director, and producer, and I discovered that, for me, directing and producing my work made me a better writer because for screenwriting, uh, there's so much of it that you're doing on your own. You're sort of in your own bubble developing this. But then once you direct and produce it and see it uh, filmed, you learn so much about the, the craft of storytelling, how to articulate it to the other members of the team, the cast, the crew who's developing the production design and how you're working with the cinematographer. So it's really helped me in the writing department. Yeah. Wow. Do you feel like it's just been a step function every single time, you know, you start writing, then you start filming, then you produce, now you're into the next phase, you know, you're making a longer story, mm -hmm. then you're doing a series, like, I mean, do you ever mm -hmm. feel like you'll just have done it all? Or is it, is, is it as scary and, I don't know, challenging every single step that you're taking? Oh, that's a good question. I would say I try and push myself to do something more ambitious each time. So you mentioned Cakewalk. So in between my first film, The Ten Plagues, 
and Cakewalk, I had developed a couple of other projects. And Cakewalk was a web series about all the crazy events leading up to a wedding. Uh, the tagline is a sketch comedy series about really everything that can and will go wrong about wedding planning. And so the tagline is, get ready for the last best day of your life. Oh, God. Because <laughs> that's what I found, you know, as I, as I was wedding planning, I was thinking, like, that's how the, wed- the wedding industrial complex, that's how they would pitch it as, like, <laughs> this is the only day that matters. And it's also too much pressure to put on yourself. So if you are pushing yourself every time, then it's, yeah, you are taking on a bigger, more ambitious project every time, pushing your abilities and uh, recruiting a bigger team to make that happen. Yeah, that's crazy. And then also fundraising along to go with that. How did you approach that for each of the different projects that you've worked on? They were all very different. With my very first Kickstarter, it was friends and family who believed in me, even though I had done nothing to <laughs> to give them this belief. I, I had done things in life, but not film. But they, you know, they, they felt also part of the making of the film, it, even though they were from all different parts of the country that they were all collectively making the film. So that was, that was really exciting. And to share like updates with them, that was the big aha moment was that you're building audience at the same time as you're fundraising. And so that sort of carried with me for the productions with makeshift society is very different. So now when I began fundraising for makeshift society, several years into becoming a filmmaker, I'm like, okay, I want to do a much more ambitious, bigger production So Makeshift Society is a TV series about a young woman who is a rising star in the tech bro world, as you will, when suddenly she is booted from that world and she refuses the advances of her CEO boss. But it's at that low moment that she discovers a co-working space and it's filled with founders who are chasing their ambitions. And so Alex, she decides, I'm going to build my own startup and make my own rules. So this TV show is basically about a female founder who is going after her ambitions. And uh, I had met female founders while being in San Francisco, and their stories are dramatic and fascinating, but they haven't been told before. And so rather than, you know, taking the script and doing this the traditional Hollywood way of like sending out the script to different production companies and hope that they would find the funding and find the actors and the crew and make it. I decided to take a page from those female founders that I was writing about and actually raise the capital myself, which I had done before, but this is on, again, a much bigger scale. Okay, so how do I do that? Who is passionate about telling the story and reach out to them to get involved and be uh, not only the supporters, but also the core audience for the show that will uh, amplify our message. So I reached out to female founders and tech executives and VCs who were very excited about for the first time telling the story about a female tech founder. And the story became a reality. I brought on the cast, hired the crew, and we filmed this project, brought it to life. We brought the pilot episode to life. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was very lucky to have <laughs> uh, seen. I guess it's not really released, right? It's kind of like you're in this piloting phase where you're showing it to people slowly and like testing it with audiences. Are you going to do any more mm-hmm. editing of that specific pilot episode or you think you're kind yeah. of done for now? So this is the pilot episode and we're hosting screenings to again, build audience and buzz for the show. And then in a post COVID world, we are taking this out to pitch to production companies to develop this into 
uh, show. I think this is like the beta product that we have developed and now we're sharing it around and then we'll build this up to scale. So I watched it in this group of like female founders that we had. And for me, it seemed very easily in my mind, it was a female Silicon Valley, but female Silicon Valley in the way that because I've also worked in tech and, you know, been fired from my tech job, blah, blah, blah. And I think we should definitely like talk about those experiences because there's just so much mm-hmm. to unpack there. But, you know, Alex has this really awful, awful boss who's just like a total douchebag. <laughs> and it just like mm-hmm. echoed so true about former CEOs and people that I've met. And like, it was mm-hmm. really amazing. It got me in a in a sad place almost, you know, and I, I kind of like, I don't really know how to describe this. The situation is so bleak with the amount of money that female founders are raising and women of color, like literally it's just, it's entertaining, but it's also just, it's almost like a dark comedy. That's how sad it is. Um, I don't know if you have yeah. any like, thoughts on that specifically. Oh, for sure. Well, first of all, so many douchebags in this industry. And I think there's a free pass for a lot of these, men who are very ruthless and ambitious and it's kind of like did you ever see (laughs) did you ever see the documentary on fire festival where they gave this dude like yeah so much money and he was obviously crazy and everyone was like oh no but like i can't remember his name but like lenny like oh lenny but like the vision lenny's vision like you know he's the visionary dude you just know that these people do often raise hundreds of millions of dollars and sometimes they build very effective companies but it's also just they're missing some serious moral screws whether it's their treatment of women the treatment of people in their company um what they value the culture they're building just like oh god it's just it sucks yeah I think that you articulated it much better than I could that there's like a moral screw that is missing but is allotted for that is like that's okay because he's such a genius or because that's okay because his startup is so successful so Yeah, I want to take down this idea that you have to be this ruthless, amoral person to get ahead or to be someone worth looking up to. So here in this pilot episode, we have Alex, who's bright and ambitious, but very flawed and very naive, thinking that she can get ahead in the normal, the the normalized tech bro type of world with, oh, meritocracy, like that the best ideas will rise to the top and realizing that that is not going to happen. So I want to take down this idea of, of making it in the old world and that you should create your own version of success and find your yeah. own way of making that happen. Yeah, that's why I've, it just spoke to me on like so many levels. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And obviously why I'm like, hell yeah, like let's make this, you know, HBO, hope you're listening because I feel like this mm-hmm. is going to be, I don't know, I think it's going to be really big. Like I think people also need to see it for what it is because with Silicon Valley, the show, it's almost a joke, like the Pied Piper and everything that they've built. Mm-hmm. And, yet, and then what I think with Alex and when she's actually working in this kind of company, it's like, no, in mm-hmm. the day to day, these guys are just douchebags or like they don't know anything about what they're doing as, you know, nobody knows what yeah. they're doing. It's a startup world. Um, it's almost like God made man in his image or like man made God in his image where like we see these men as like almost gods. And yet when you actually work mm-hmm. with them on the day to day basis and you see the way that they treat their staff or can fire somebody like on yeah. the spot <laughs> that is the world oh yeah Silicon Valley the show it gets it so right in so many ways it satirizes the tech industry and yet oh my gosh the women on the show they're either robots or girlfriends so I wanted to do something that was like completely different from this flip the script yeah totally okay and then can you give us any examples of when you're working in tech 
how did that inspire you to make <laughs> makeshift society like <laughs> any personal experiences that you had that you want to share oh yeah well I for sure fantasized about like mic drop quitting and stealing all those snacks <laughs> this is my grand revenge strategy that was a lot of fun to film that so when when Alex is merrily fired in, in the very first episode of the show she decides to steal the free snacks of the tech company the LaCroix so the, that's like, yeah the cricket chip so we we actually yeah we got sponsors for, of local female-founded snack companies to donate the snacks for for those scenes I will just butt in there and say I think this might be a good time to tell the listeners um that I was actually fired from my tech job and I did not get to steal the snacks because I was escorted <laughs> promptly out of the building I didn't even get to go up to my desk and oh I, had, I had you know like they had those bowls of fruit I had like made myself a bowl of fruit and I'd left it on my desk and then I went down for this one-on-one with my manager with a surprise fire and then I wasn't even able to go up what? to my desk and like get the fruit that I was gonna eat oh, and I was just, like, so when I saw her like yeah I know it was just oh so sad anyway but yeah it's gruesome I'm wondering if you've if you ever fired or you just fantasized about oh. like getting fired oh my gosh <laughs> I, I could just picture that fruit bowl there <laughs> I know and like this poor girl as well that I was working with she was like in marketing and she sat next to me and she and like I never even came back like she never saw me again (laughs) that's like it feels like such a power trip to do that to to do that to any employee is I think just really wrong I mean you do that for someone who's like assassinated someone like this is it I I wasn't there if you assassinated anyone in your previous company but no (laughs) there's there's no reason for that to happen like for this grand thing but this is it I think that it's not an accident I think that this uh, is an abuse of power that they use to frighten and intimidate the other employees so that is horrifying that that happened and it's one of the reasons why I had to make this a comedy because there's there's so many of these dark moments that if I think about it too long oh gosh that's like oh that's a power trip oh that's very unsettling for that to happen that's not fair you kind of your head is on a swivel so I just made the decision early on to develop this into a comedy so uh just to, to share a story about fundraising, I started fundraising by cold emailing women nice. in tech. I cold emailed female founders and tech executives and VCs. And the first meeting I had was with Bonnie Crater, who ended up becoming part of my advisory team. She invited me to her office. She's the CEO and co-founder of Full Circle Insights uh, Startup. And I thought she would meet with me for 15 minutes. We ended up meeting for two hours. She was watching my my videos like in front of me as I'm sweating with like nerves, like not realizing that she was <laughs> going to like go ahead and watch everything, watch my life in front of me. And she always been very involved in political efforts for past elections. She's been involved with Get Off Your Ass and Vote. So she really responded to the comedic sensibility in my work. And she knew that that was the way in. She had Mm -hmm. come up in the age of Mary Tyler Moore. Mary Tyler Moore was a really seminal show in the 70s that inspired all these women to go into the workforce to be a thoroughly modern woman. Bonnie knew that humor is the way in. And I've had some people come up to me after the show, like, oh, you got to tell this traumatic story, this traumatic story. I'm like, there isn't room for all the traumatic stories. <laughs> um, I um, think so too, I, yeah. I, I've also, 
I've also become like de facto therapist to a lot of women who come to me. We need more mental health services in this country. And actually, one of the characters in the show is a therapist. And I wove that into the story because of the amount of need that there was. And this is a great way of seeing into that window of gender and racial inequality in the workplace. Yeah, totally. I really love that. And also I like the fact that she's kind of doing this telehealth thing too. So they're all kind of starting up together in this co-working space. I think that's amazing. And mm-hmm. I feel obviously the sadness and the sad, that's the dark parts of it. But I think also what you can do well with it, which you did, especially in the first part of the episode with the crazy, it's just kind of the absurdity, you know what I mean? And I think Silicon Valley kind of gets that, gets at that with all the money and everything that's raised, but just calling out all those real things that are absurd but it's the reality is hilarious. So what is the plan now? How else can we help? Oh yeah. So the vision for the show is to pitch this as a TV show that lives and breathes for several seasons. And we see Alex and her journey building her own startup and the rise and fall of it. She teams up with her best friend who becomes a co-founder in this venture. They have co-founder challenges, struggles. Uh, So there's a lot of room here to explore both their startup, as well as the other startups that are building within makeshift society, the co-working space. Yeah, the vision is to pitch this to the disruptors in the space. The way I developed this was very untraditional. And so I want this show to live on a network that is also doing that, disrupting. So like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, that is pushing the envelope in that way. Totally. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Miseducated. If you want to learn more about Serena and Makeshift Society, you can go to makeshiftsociety.com. And next week, I'll be sharing the second half of our conversation, where I talk to her all about her experience of becoming a mum during the coronavirus and how having a daughter has given her extra motivation to advance women and diverse voices in film. So until then, I'm wishing you lots of love. Bye!